Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today? So I'm going to give away the secret that we're filming, or we're not filming, we're recording this um, right after church on yeah. Sunday morning on Palm Sunday, uh, because I'm getting ready to to be away from the office for a couple of days, and um, I'm doing very well. Just got to celebrate um, with two beautiful people as they profess their faith in Jesus Christ today, got to welcome two new families into our fellowship, and um, it's always a high uh emotionally when you come off of a Sunday and, and you've gotten to sing praises to Almighty God and you've gotten to see God work in people's lives. And so doing very well. Jordan, how about you? Great, great. I am uh, really excited for today. So like you said, we're recording immediately after the Sunday sermon, but hours from now, I'll be giving a talk called From Palm Sunday to Passover, talking about Jewish insights for Holy Week. So listeners, if the timeline's a little bit confusing, I'm confused with you, we're, uh, but we'll keep it as straight as we can here <laughs> during right. the recording. That's right. So, Jeff, it's time for our Prayer Partners Initiative check-in for the week. So, listeners, you pick a partner, you pray with them daily, and you connect with them weekly. So, Jeff, let's connect for the week. In one word, how are you? Right now, I'm, I'm very, very thankful to Almighty God. Again, uh, coming straight out of a worship service, getting to see people profess their faith in Jesus Christ by way of biblical baptism, um, there's just nothing like it. And so I'm very thankful for God's goodness. And as we celebrate Palm Sunday, the fact that, that God sent His Son to go willingly into Jerusalem to die for us, um, how could you not be thankful for that great and mighty work that we celebrate during Holy Week? So, Jordan, how about you? How are you? I'm pumped. Pumped. I'm yeah, pumped. you should be pumped. I'm pumped for tonight too. Yes. I am as pumped as my wiry frame will allow. <laughs> so that's great. What uh, is God teaching you right now? God's teaching me that He is faithful, and I know that that kind of seems like the the lesson to which I return week after week. But I just am so thankful for His faithfulness. And as we come through the reading uh, of the Word, um, you know, this past week we were in Judges and we were in Ruth, and Judges is such an amazing portrayal of what one of my professors called the, the Wild West period in the, in the Bible, where everyone did what was right in their own sight, and God had to raise up a judge. Uh, in the Wild West of the United States, that judge had a badge on his chest and was the marshal, but uh, God would raise up a judge, the people would repent, and they would live in peace and prosperity until the judge died and they chose to live according to however they thought best. And it never works out when we live according to how we feel best. And yeah. so, um, but God is faithful. He's so faithful. He didn't, he didn't give up on us. No matter how many times we as a people, as the human race, have given him cause to give up on us, uh, or as I particularly have given him cause to give up on me. Uh, he hasn't. He is faithful, and I'm so thankful for that. What about you, Jordan? What's God teaching you? I think I'll steal that. I think God being faithful is something yeah. that I'm learning, especially as I was going through the notes for the event tonight. Yeah, I was just struck by how many how many times Jesus quotes the prophets yeah. and how many of the prophetic themes from the different books of the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Micah, all of them, really— appear in his teachings, and particularly during Holy Week, he quotes them a lot because yeah. he's delivering the same message. It's yeah. repent, 
you know, or destruction will come. But there is a cure. Repent because God loves you and will bring you in if you repent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. So how can I pray for you? Well, again, this week uh, is Holy Week. It is a sacred time in the life of the Christian church. It has been for 2,000 years or so. Um, But just pray that uh, I would be able to focus on Jesus and draw close to him. Uh, It is also spring break for our local city and county schools. And so uh, my son and I are going to spend some time on the water, and we're excited about that Trying to catch some fish. We're going with an expert here uh, in our church, a guy by the name of Kurt Simpson, who um, leads guided crappie fishing tours. And I'm a terrible fisherman, terrible. <laughs> and so my son has never caught a fish with me. And so I'm very excited that, uh, Lord willing, we will, we will catch a lot of fish and uh, enjoy that time together. So how about you? How can I pray for you? Yeah, uh, it's really praying that this event tonight will be beneficial to everyone involved. I, I, I don't know if you know this, listeners, but I'm a little bit uh, is brainy the right word. I, I, I get caught up in studies, and I'm like, oh, this is incredible. This really, really small thing is crazy. But then I, I don't know how to express that so that it makes sense why I'm so excited about it. <laughs> so I really, I just hope and pray that tonight's event will be helpful and will be encouraging and make the New Testament just pop in color yeah. with the Jewish insight and spirit that's behind it. Hey, man, I'm, I'm very excited. You've led us in a couple of Passover Seder experiences, and while tonight will be completely different, um, I'm really excited about the teaching that you'll bring and the context that you'll give that will allow us all to um, to really understand this week a little bit more. And with that in mind, I'm going to kind of steal the show because today we're doing this a little differently. We're switching seats, yeah. uh, although we are sitting in the same locations in which we always sit. Um, but because uh, you are leading us tonight and because of your expertise in this matter, um, I'm going to be the one asking you questions. And so, Jordan, if you don't care, kind of lead us into the teaching of from Palm Sunday to Passover, helping us understand some of the Jewish context for what Jesus was doing that first Holy Week and how we can better understand um, his actions beginning with Palm Sunday and all the way through the cross and resurrection. Absolutely. So I have a couple things today that I'm going to share that did not make it into the notes for the event. So this is new material that is different from the event itself. So I would recommend listening to that material and then listening to this separately because there it is different stuff. There you go. Uh, Could not fit everything into one script. So the first thing I want to talk about is the concept of the donkey of Messiah. So Jeff, today you talked about Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king is coming unto thee. He is just and saved, lowly and riding upon a donkey, even upon a colt, the foal of a donkey. So we know that that's quoted several times across the Gospels about this event, about the triumphal entry, Jesus riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. So there's a really cool Jewish legend that I'm going to share with everybody here. So it's a legend. It's not necessarily true. It's probably not true. <laughs> but it connects several passages that give additional context to what's happening in the triumphal entry and even to the Zechariah passage. So this is from Pirkei de Rebbe Eliezer, which is essentially the teachings of a rabbi named Eliezer. Okay. So this is talking about in Genesis 22, right before Abraham takes Isaac to sacrifice him. So it says, Abraham rose up early in the morning, and he took with him Ishmael and Eliezer. Abraham rose up early in the morning, and he took with him 
Ishmael and Eliezer. It, it names the two people. We don't know that those are the two people, but it names them. And took Isaac, his son, and he saddled the donkey. Upon this donkey did Abraham ride. This was the donkey that was the offspring of the donkey, which was created during the twilight as God created during the six days of creation. So essentially it's suggesting, okay, there's this like eternal purpose that God had at the very beginning, even during creation, that there would be a donkey for these purposes. Hmm. Maybe even the same donkey. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you weren't there. I, weren't, I wasn't there. Yeah, heck of a donkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. long. But. Yeah. So listeners, I'm not saying it's true. <laughs> this was the donkey, the offspring of that donkey, which was created during the twilight as God finished the six days of creation. So it's just suggesting that uh, maybe literally there was a donkey that's lasted for several, several thousand years that occurs in several stories, but most likely it's just that God purposed that a donkey would be used across these stories that follow. Okay. As it is said, and Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey. Genesis 22, 8. The same donkey was also ridden upon by Moses when he came to Egypt, as it is said in Exodus 4, 20. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon the donkey. It doesn't say a donkey. He doesn't say his donkey. It says the donkey. <laughs> kind of curious. Uh, this same donkey will be ridden upon in the future by the son of David, as it is said. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king is coming unto thee. He is just and saved, lowly and riding upon a donkey, even upon a colt, the foal of a donkey. So what excites me about it is that it, it is a legend, it's not true, but it's just suggesting that there's this connection, this thread, this intent of God across these messianic characters, Abraham, and really you should throw Isaac in there too, because Isaac was about to be you know, offered up by Abraham. Yeah. Uh, Moses, who's going in to um, execute God's will in the Exodus. Uh, and then it talks about the son of David, Jesus, who would come riding upon a donkey. So based upon just the Hebrew and the similarity of the language, the writer of Pirkei de Rebbe Eliezer sees a connection between these passages and suggests that God has meant for there to be a Messiah from the beginning. Yeah, These things were set in motion even within creation thousands and thousands of years ago. So there's always a plan from the start. God is intentional in how he does everything. And this is just a cool legend that I think conveys that. Well, and and it speaks such great truth, not that there was a donkey who lived all that time, right, right, but right. it speaks such great truth that this thread is through Scripture um, from Abraham. You know, I will bless you, God said to Abram, and you will be a blessing, and, and in you all the nations of the world would be blessed. Well, how does that even happen? It happens through Jesus, because now the way to God is made open to the Gentiles. Praise be to God. We're Amen. Gentiles in this room. Um, and you still see this progression of God bringing forth his promise from Abraham through Moses, through David, all the way to Jesus and impacting us today. I think that's really beautiful. Thank you. So the second passage that I want to look at is from Josephus. So, yeah. so Josephus was a historian, a Jewish historian, right after the time of Jesus. So Pulling back for a second, let's look at Holy Week. There was the triumphal entry, there's cleansing of the temple, and then there's the, the fig tree, the cursing of the fig tree. Uh, and then at a certain point, Jesus gives the Olivet Discourse. Yeah. So he's presenting these very apocalyptic, very dark prophecies about the future. But of course, within that, there is hope that the resurrection will come and the Messiah will come a second time riding upon the clouds. That's right. But within the Olivet Discourse, Jesus says in Luke 21, 20, 
when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Hmm. Okay, so that's kind of a curious thing to say because if you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, that is not the time to get out. Yeah. It's before yeah. that. <laughs> right. right? That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. So historically, you know, with Jerusalem, when Jerusalem was surrounded by the Romans and then destroyed, people were not getting out at that time. Yeah. Right? So the question is, okay, why did Jesus even say this? Like, what, what help is that, especially if it's meant kind of as a warning to people living in Jerusalem at that time? Well, we can look to Josephus for a historical event that adds a little bit of light to it. So in the couple of years before the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, Josephus talks about some weird things that were happening Hmm. in and around the city. One of the things he specifically says is that before sunsetting, chariots and troops of soldiers in their armor were seen running around among the clouds and surrounding the cities. Hmm. Kind of a weird thing to say, kind of a weird thing to write. Yeah. But we know that... uh, Kind of a weird thing to say, kind of a weird thing to write, but that might be the historical event and just the oddity of the cloud situation going on that actually tipped off the believers in Jerusalem to get out several years before the destruction. Hmm. So if we look at uh, actually church sources from Eusebius and Arrhenius, the people of the church in Jerusalem had been commanded by a revelation, presumably what I just read from Luke, vouchsafed to approved men there before the war, to leave the city and to dwell in a certain town of Perea called Pella. And then another church father who was even earlier, who was like maybe born 50 years after the destruction. He was super early, Arrhenius. He writes, all of the disciples had settled in Pella after their removal from Jerusalem, Christ having told them to abandon Jerusalem and withdraw from it because of the siege it was about to undergo. Hmm. And they settled in Perea for this reason. So I I look at this story, I I think it's fascinating that we know from history that the words of Jesus did literally save the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. This yeah. isn't, you know, not only did he die and hit through his sacrifice, do we find salvation for our souls? We can trust that there is actually like physical salvation that's coming too. And that did yeah. come for this instance with the Jewish believers in Jerusalem who did get out of Jerusalem because of the prophecies of Jesus during Holy Week. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's just unbelievable, and so I'm getting ready for a trip to the Holy Land, and, and one of the sites that we will visit is the, the Western Wall, better known as the Wailing Wall, which is all that is left of the temple. And, uh, of course, the Temple Mount is still there. There's a, a mosque on top. Um, but we will go to the Wailing Wall where devout Jews uh, pray daily for God to restore the temple. And... Um, it's just amazing when you consider what that second temple was like during the period, all that Herod had done to expand it. To, and and, and any time that you went into Jerusalem, you would go up, and, and even Jesus' disciples were just overwhelmed by the beauty, the grandeur, the size of all of that. And Jesus said, not one stone will be left upon the other. And he was right. That happened in 70 AD. And so so God's word through Jesus to his disciples that provided salvation for their souls also provided salvation for their lives. And, and uh, there, there are a whole lot of places where God has met with his people and continues to meet with us today. Amen. Yeah. And that's something that I hope comes across during this talk tonight is that Jesus' words are validated by history. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This, it's not just that we believe that the gospel is true because we believe the New Testament. It's yeah. that you actually can 
prove a lot of what happens in the New Testament from Josephus, from Jewish sources that we'll talk about tonight. These things are not just happening in a vacuum, or rather written in a vacuum. We can prove that much of it is true, and it doesn't take that much faith to go beyond that and believe all that Jesus said, because... He was right about everything that he talked about. That's exactly right. And and so just as he has been true, so shall he be true. And uh, all the things that he has given that are yet to come, we can trust that they will come to pass. And so we place our faith in him. Amen. Amen. So that'll take us into today's listener question. Listeners, if you have a question, just go to the link in the show notes or comment on the post below. Jeff, how should we respond to the school shooting in Nashville? or to any such tragedy like it? Well, first, I think we have to pray. And uh, I think anybody who's listening to this podcast joins us in being just absolutely heartbroken. Um, The the horror uh, that unfolded there at the Covenant School and uh, Covenant Presbyterian Church there in Nashville. Uh, I've never been to that church, but I've driven by it more times than I can recall um, because so often we would come to the west end of Nashville coming through from downtown uh, coming through Vanderbilt and then coming over and we would pass by and it's just the most idyllic setting. Um, we have to pray. Uh, I, I have a former student who uh, was a student of mine two decades ago who uh, whose child is getting ready to start at that school. And, uh, and in fact, as the, as the shooting was happening, um, they had just received their welcome packet from the school. I mean, it's just, it's just, and so it's so close, but any event like this, um, we pray for those whose lives have been forever altered by the horror of the events that unfolded. Um, I think that uh, we also rightly uh, convey to God that we don't understand. Um, we don't understand. Uh, we know that God's relation to evil uh, is not that he makes evil happen. He is not tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone with evil. Um, and we live in a sin-fallen world in which evil um, evil deeds like this happen. And they will happen until the second coming of the Lord. And uh, I think that certainly we want those who have been entrusted with leadership to act responsibly and in ways that are helpful um, and I know there's a whole lot of controversy about, oh, how should action be taken and things of that nature. But, but let me suffice it in this context to say action must be taken. Uh, we absolutely have a mental health crisis that we are dealing with. Um, I have a dear friend who is uh, involved in psychiatric medicine, and she said that the, the mental health issues are steadily increasing and climbing. Um, and we, we are going to have to address the issue at a macro level. Um, at a micro level, meaning me and you, uh, I think that we are responsible for living out our faith in a way that uh, I'm going to tell you, the only thing that overcomes evil is Jesus. And so when events like this unfold, um, we have a responsibility to live the light of Christ uh, in our world. We have a responsibility to love with the love of Christ in our world. We have a responsibility to seek to be the hands and feet of Jesus in whatever way we can. You know, one of the things that's so beautiful, uh, our church prayer shawl ministry created um, miniature shawls that have been sent to every kid uh, who was affected. Wow. Um, 
at the Covenant School, and so that's done. That's just something something that we can do. And I say we. I mean, I didn't do anything, um, but I support our church um, and those people who are able to make those things. And and uh, they asked for prayer for them as they worked tirelessly, just to just to try to do something to remind these folks tangibly. Um, God still sees you, loves you, is with you, and there are a whole lot of brothers and sisters in Christ who are praying for you and uh, who are seeking um, to intercede on your behalf. Um, I, my, my heart particularly, just because I am a pastor, uh, my heart goes out to that pastor who is not only uh, trying to lead his church, but trying to lead his family and trying to walk himself through the valley of the shadow of death. And I just cannot imagine um, what that family must be going through, what all those families must be going through. So I, I'll tell you honestly how I pray. Um, thanking God that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words because any situation like this is too deep for words. And uh, I think we have to be careful with the things that we say. We don't want to speak flippantly or carelessly, um, but I think we want to speak thoughtfully and prayerfully. And uh, I'm so thankful that even as we pray to God, um, God's Spirit works and speaks on our behalf with groanings that are that are deeper than anything words can convey. And I think that's where we are. So um, again, God is faithful. Uh, God uh, is involved. God is active. God is bringing um, healing and hope and help. Um, I mentioned in the message this morning, Mr. Rogers said in moments like this, look for the helpers. And uh, I think that's part of the way that we see the light of Christ come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people who give themselves to put their lives on the line. And I'm here thinking about first responders. I'm thinking about teachers, administrators, um, thinking about even the, the staff at uh, the nearby Woodmont Baptist Church that became the reunification site as they welcomed children and parents in and um, the bus drivers who came and, and moved the kids. I mean, there's just so many helpers who, empowered by the Holy Spirit, were being the hands and feet of Jesus in that moment. And, um, but yeah, that's, that's about all we can say, is that, um, Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, and come quickly, Lord Jesus. Um, but until Christ comes, I pray that we would be instrumental in helping um, men and women come to faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. Um, for the only thing that can overcome evil is Jesus, our resurrected Savior. Amen. Jeff, can you pray for us today to take us out of the episode and to pray for the families as well? Yes, sir. Father, on this Palm Sunday and this Holy Week, as this this episode airs on Wednesday, we look yet again to you. We seek your wisdom. We seek your guidance. We seek your intervention, and we rely upon the Holy Spirit who intervenes and intercedes with groanings too deep for words. We pray for those families who have forever been affected by evil just within the course of the last several days in this region. We pray for your protection. We pray for your intervention. We pray for healing and help. May you surround them with your people to be your hands and your feet, to show to them the love of Christ that exceeds even life and death. Lord, we're thankful for the everlasting life that is promised to all who trust and follow Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we know that those children and those adults who, within the context of living out their faith, were in that space in that moment, we know that by your grace, 
that they are with you, and we rejoice in that. But we rejoice with the ache of still living in a sin-fallen world. And Lord, we can't comprehend what those families are dealing with. But Lord, we pray that you would be present in palpable ways. And Lord, that you would help your body to be your body, to come alongside them, to minister to them, and to serve them in the name of Jesus, with the love of Jesus. And we pray, Lord, for those who who are dealing with mental health crises, who are dealing with uh, sin crises, who are dealing with the evil that this world um, has to deal with, and doing so without you. We pray for their salvation. Lord, we believe the only thing that can overcome evil is Almighty God. And I'm thankful, Lord, that the way has been made to Almighty God through Jesus Christ our Lord, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, we pray that every person living on this planet would come to that eternal life and live in the light of Jesus. And so, Lord, we do. We love you. We trust you. We confess that we do not understand so much and so much that happens in a sin-fallen world. We hate, and our souls ache for that day when you come. And so we join with the 22nd chapter of Revelation. We join with the Apostle John, and we join with the saints in glory, saying, Come, Lord Jesus. Until then, may we be faithful as you are faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley, and our editor is Chad Walden.